Part 2, Section 6 of My Mortal Enemy by Willa Cather. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Part 2, Section 6. On the following day, Mrs. Henshaw asked to be given the sacrament. After she had taken it, she seemed easier in mind and body. In the afternoon, she told Henshaw to go to his office and begged me to leave her and let her sleep. The nurse we had sent away that day at her urgent request. She wanted to be cared for by one of the nursing sisters from the convent from now on, and Father Fay was to bring one tomorrow. I went to my room meaning to go back to her in an hour, but once on my bed I slept without waking. It was dark when I heard Henshaw knocking on my door and calling to me. As I opened it, he said in a despairing tone, "'She's gone, Nellie. She's gone.' I thought he meant she had died. I hurried after him down the corridor and into her room. It was empty. He pointed to her empty bed. "'Don't you see? She has gone, God knows where. But how could she, a woman so ill? She must be somewhere in the building. I've been all over the house.' You don't know her, Nellie. She can do anything she wills. Look at this. On the desk lay a sheet of notepaper scribbled in lead pencil. Dear Oswald, my hour has come. Don't follow me. I wish to be alone. Nellie knows where there is money for masses. That was all. There was no signature. We hurried to the police station. The chief sent a messenger out to the men on the beat to warn them to be on the watch for a distraught woman who had wandered out in delirium. Then we went to Father Fay. The church has been on her mind for a long while, said Henshaw. It is one of her delusions that I separated her from the church. I never meant to. The young priest knew nothing. He was distressed and offered to help us in our search but we thought he had better stay at home on the chance that she might come to him. When we got back to the hotel, it was after eleven o'clock. Oswald said he could not stay indoors. I must be there within call, but he would go back to help the police. After he left, I began to search Mrs. Henshaw's room. She had worn her heavy coat and her furs, though the night was warm. When I found that the pair of Austrian blankets was missing, I felt I knew where she had gone. Should I try to get Oswald at the police station? I sat down to think it over. It seemed to me that she ought to be allowed to meet the inevitable end in the way she chose. A yearning strong enough to lift that ailing body and drag it out into the world again should have its way. At five o'clock in the morning, Henshaw came back with an officer and a negro cabman. The driver had come to the station and reported that at six last night a lady, with her arms full of wraps, had signaled him at the side door of the hotel and told him to drive her to the boat landing. When they were nearing the landing, she said she did not mean to stop there, but wanted to go farther up the shore, giving him clear directions. They reached the cliff she had indicated. He helped her out of the cab, put her rugs under the tree for her, 
and she gave him a ten-dollar gold piece and dismissed him. He protested that the fare was too much and that he was afraid of getting into trouble if he left her there. But she told him a friend was going to meet her and that it would be all right. The lady had, he said, a very kind, coaxing way with her. When he went to the stable to put up his horse, he heard that the police were looking for a woman who was out of her head, and he was frightened. He went home and talked it over with his wife, who sent him to report at headquarters. The cabmen drove us out to the headland, and the officer insisted upon going along. We found her wrapped in her blankets, leaning against the cedar trunk, facing the sea. Her head had fallen forward. The ebony crucifix was in her hands. She must have died peacefully and painlessly. There was every reason to believe she had lived to see the dawn. While we watched beside her, waiting for the undertaker and Father Fay to come, I told Oswald what she had said to me about longing to behold the morning break over the sea, and it comforted him. End of Part 2, Section 6